Romans, please. Romans chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to continue talking about some of the things I had mentioned last week about uh, preparing to preach the gospel. And uh, we're going to hit a different aspect of that today. Last week we talked about how that we got to be, pre- be prepared by understanding the gospel. The simple definition, but not only that, but the faith that undergirds that message, the redemption, the propitiation, the atonement, amen, the imputation of righteousness, those kinds of things are important uh, to the power of the gospel. The Apostle Paul here in Romans chapter 1, verse number 14, I'll read this to you, to verse number 17, says, I'm debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just give me the power I need now, uh, the focus that I need to bring forth this message with power, that it can make a difference in our lives this morning, Lord. We need you for that. I pray the word of God would have free course. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. When the Apostle Paul was talking about being ready to preach the gospel, what he's really saying is, I I am predisposed to preach the gospel. That means it's not a situational ethic type of thing. It's not, I'm just going to wait till it happens and then we'll see what's going to (laughs) happen. In other words, he prepared himself for the time where he needed to. So I am ready to preach the gospel. It means that he's prepared himself. He has predisposed himself to some things about the gospel so that when the time comes, he's going to be ready to give it. And there's a couple of things that he's talking about here that are very important to us if we're going to be ready as well in relation to giving out the gospel. I don't know about you. You know, there's been many times uh, when I felt like I should give out the gospel, but I drew back because I was maybe afraid I was shy, whatever it is. You felt, oh, I'd love to be able to do this, but I couldn't. I remember the first time I gave out a gospel tract. I was actually a construction superintendent. I was driving down the certain highway to the job site every day. And there was this flag person that they were doing road construction. And I would pass that person every day. And I would actually stop at that point and have to wait probably sometimes up to five minutes before they would let me go. And because the, it wasn't a very busy highway, usually I, had, I parked right beside the flag person. They were right there. And I remember so many times I was so tormented because <laughs> I knew the Lord wanted me to give this person a gospel tract, but I was so afraid. And I did that, I don't know how many days I went there and that's all I thought about. Oh, I need to give him a track. I need to give him a track. But I was too afraid to do it. Ever been there? Yeah. Or is that just me? <laughs> Ultimately, I, the Lord did give me the, the bravery, the boldness to give this person a gospel tract. I don't know what I said. I probably tripped over every word I tried getting out. But you know what? She had the gospel tract, and I was so grateful for that. You know, it's been like that many times throughout my life where I knew the Lord wanted me to do something, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. The Apostle Paul is telling us here, be ready. Be ready. 
And, and that's what we want to do. And he's giving us some hints here as to what we need to know in order to become ready to give out the gospel. Now, the, the next point I want to consider here today and how we can prepare to give out the gospel is by acknowledging our debt to give the gospel to the lost. Our debt. That means you owe something. If you're sitting here today and you have been saved, you have a debt you need to pay. Not salvation. You can't pay that debt. Amen. But the debt that you owe is to give somebody the same gospel message that you received. That's the debt that you owe. He says, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. That means he owed something. Um, we're living in a society today where we mostly think not so much about what we owe others, but what others owe us. You turn on the news, it doesn't take long. Well, you owe me respect. You owe me to, to call me what I want you to call me and, and everything else. And we live in a day and age where it's only about what people owe us, but we don't think a lot about what we owe others. And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to see in this passage here, that there is a debt that we owe. We owe it because we've received it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So he says, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So that means if you have had the privilege of receiving it, then you have the debt of delivering it. Amen? Amen. We need to understand that today. We were not exempt from this debt. We also owe it for Jesus' sake. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not live henceforth, uh, or henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. It's just logical. I mean, it's logical. In in some cultures, it is that if someone was going to save your life, that because they saved your life, now you need to give your life in servitude towards the person that saved you. And they would take that very seriously. In other words, if you save someone's life, you've got someone tagging along for the rest of your life looking after your needs. That doesn't sound like a bad thing, actually. Amen? You do laundry? (laughs) You know? But you know, that's the same principle that we're looking at here. But the Lord's not going to make you do it. He's not going to force you to do anything. Everything we do in the economy of the Christian life and God's plan for our life is never something coerced by God. When you meet him and look him in the eye and you're going to get rewarded, you're going to get rewarded for that which you freely chose to do. Not for those things that you were forced to do. So the Bible says that you need to work on your motivation here. So why? Why should I do this, God? Well, it's basically like this. You would have gone to hell. Your life was going to be destroyed. You had no hope. And I gave everything for you. And so that lays at your feet today as a motivation for as to why you should freely give of everything to me, he says. See, for Jesus' sake, we owe it. 
There's not one here that can argue that point. Say, well, yeah, preacher, well, no, you're just trying to get, make an excuse. <laughs> Amen. All of us stand before the Lord today, and you all owe it to him. If you would give your life today and say, you know, Lord, I'm going to give my life to witnessing to people every day. I'm going to go to church faithfully. You still have not done anything that is beyond reasonable. The Bible says that. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Reasonable. It's logical. Amen. So in the scripture, we have many logical arguments, and this is one of them. The apostle Paul says, you know, for I'm a debtor, both to the barbarians and to the wise and all these different people. I owe them, and I owe you. And we have to get to that point where we understand that what we have is so precious in receiving Christ as our Savior and the gospel that's been given to us that we should see it as valuable enough as something that we need to feel we need to give to others. We owe it to them. We owe it to them. And we owe it because of Jesus. He's not going to force you to pay. He's not going to say, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. No, he said, what I paid for you, I paid freely. What I did in dying for your sins, I did that with all of my heart and I did it without you returning one bit back to me. It's called a free gift. He says, all I'm asking is, could you please replicate the character of what I've done for you, for others? Could you please treat people the same way that I've treated you? Could you love them the same way that I loved you? Could you care about them the same way I care for you? That's all he's saying. He's not forcing you. He's not going to make you. I remember one time we were door knocking in Morris, Manitoba. We knocked on this one door and this, and this person was a Baptist. But there was a different kind of Baptist than us. They were definitely a liberal Baptist. But she was just flabbergasted that we'd be there knocking on her door to give her the gospel. She said, oh, I'm glad our church doesn't make us do this. <laughs> I just, I, we just looked at her and said, you know what? Our church didn't make us do this either. Huh? Then why would you do it? See, she was missing the motivation. Well, we do it because of what he's done for us. Hey, man, that's why we want to do it. My biggest motivation for my knee getting better is so I can get busy again knocking doors in our city. That's, that's what I care about. If I wouldn't need to go out and get busy giving out the gospel, I wouldn't care about my knee. I'd say at home in a wheelchair. I care about getting the gospel to people. That is my driving motivation. That's why I allowed them to cut my knee up this, this winter. And we're going to do it. <laughs> Amen. We're going to reach them. We owe it. We owe it to every person. Mark 16, 15, it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says, I'm debtor to the Greeks. Now the Greeks, who were the Greeks? Well, to the Jews, the Greeks were always the heathen. They were the idol worshipers. They were those, the Hellenistic people that would follow these crazy gods that they didn't believe in, you know? And you know what? I owe it to them. You look out at this world today, you go to India, and you, you see they've got a million gods. 
I mean, there's not one person in India that knows all the gods that they worship. But they got a million of them. They got temples and you go by these temples and you see these little statues and every statue represents a god and there's just hundreds of thousands of them all over this temple and it doesn't even represent all of them. And you say, well, why should I care about these people? Because I'm a debtor to them. I'm a debtor to those heathen. I'm a debtor to those idol worshipers. And I need to get them the message of the gospel because they are lost and they will go to hell. We went to one place there. We heard a bell ringing. Ding, ding. And we looked at this one little temple. In the middle of this temple was a, a bell and there's a statue of a cow. And people would go there to pray to this cow, this god. And I thought, oh my. These people think this cow is somehow going to deliver them from hell. And it can't. It just can't. We're a debtor. We're a debtor to the barbarians. Those that speak a foreign language, a strange language. A foreigner, a person you can't relate to, a person that you, you don't really communicate or spend time with because you don't know who are these people anyways. I mean, you go to Mexico, you look at these people, but I can't talk to them. <laughs> when we went down there, we had some John Romans. We brought along some Spanish John Romans. We'd go out and, uh, to the, the, the market squares and so forth. And it just drove me crazy because I stood there with the John Romans, but I couldn't say anything to them. I just go, Biblia. <laughs> I was just going nuts. You know, I wanted to tell them something. I wanted to tell them the gospel. But this is the very least we could do is give them a John of Romans. Read the Biblia. <laughs> My goodness, man. But I felt that I owed them that. At least that. To me, they were barbarians. <laughs> But that doesn't mean we stay home, we don't care. We've got to do something. I'm so proud of my mother. We go downtown. I didn't know where she was half the time. She's down the sidewalk just giving out these, these crazy people she's meeting. She's just talking to them. What a soul winner. Amen. Putting me to shame. But you know something? We have a debt to pay to these barbarians. And I don't say barbarians as if they're less than us. It just means that they, they, they're foreign to us. They're strange to us. Their language is strange. Their culture is strange. I don't get it. I don't get them. But all I know is I owe them. I owe them. We're getting into our missions conference coming up in a couple of weeks. And what's driving us here is a debt. We owe this. We need to have a conference because we owe. We owe the world. We owe the world to get involved in telling people about Christ. We need to send out missionaries because we owe that. For a church not to get involved in, in, in putting missionaries on the field is, is just like, is like wiping your feet on the face of Jesus Christ. We have to do it. It's an important part of my life is my missions giving. It's got to become an important part of your life. To you, it just say, well, it's just dollars. No, it's not. It's a debt that goes beyond currency. 
You're helping men and women to go out and get a gospel tract and buy some tracts and go out and give the gospel to barbarians, to people that don't even understand the language. But they're there. They're in that market square. They're there talking to these people, those children and these beggars and people that they don't even know and people we would never even talk to. But they're there. And because we're helping them, we're doing it. And I owe it to do it. Amen? I'm a debtor to the barbarians. I'm a debtor to the wise. These are the respected philosophers and other truly learned men. Boy, there's people in our society, but oh, they're just highfalutin. The doctors and the lawyers and the people that uh, seem to have it all together and went to school for so many years and we feel all intimidated because I'm just a dummy. You know? The Lord says, no. You may feel like a dummy to them, but you owe them. You owe that doctor at your doctor's appointment to talk about Jesus. Oh, yeah, but they make all that money. You owe it. You owe it. Get them a gospel tract. What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, I guess they could do some bad things. (laughs) Here, my medication. (laughs) No, do it. Oh, and you know what? If I died because of that, praise God. That's living for Jesus. Amen. The wise. We got to get past our feelings of inferiority when we deal with someone that is more educated, has more wealth, has more influence. That's the way it is. People are wealthy. Oh, can't talk to them. Why not? Why does more money make it make us afraid? Amen. No matter who they are, we owe it to them. To the wise, to the unwise. Who are the unwise? These are those that don't comprehend. These are those that are lacking intelligence. They're foolish people. This is a person who doesn't govern their own lust. They don't even know how to control their own life. Their homes are a mess. Their lives are a mess. Maybe they can't hold a job. People you look down on say, oh, why would I waste my time with them? Apostle Paul says, you owe them. Oh, yeah, but they're not really beneficial to society. It doesn't matter. You still owe them. You still owe a debt to them. To the wise and to the unwise. Amen? So let me just leave that with you as a motivation today that if we're going to go forward here, we have got to come to grips with the fact that we have a debt that we should pay. It's not something you're going to be forced to pay. In fact, you can go to your deathbed never having paid even a bit of it. And guess what will happen? He'll still take you into glory. But there's going to be something missing when you get there. There's not going to be a well done, though good and faithful servant. In fact, what will be there is probably a shame. You're going to be ashamed of yourself. And that it'll dawn on you how foolish you were to allow the fear of man to keep you from giving somebody the gospel. Especially when you see the great white throne that these people you worked with, these doctors, these lawyers, 
these beggars on the street, the people that you thought weren't worthy or maybe you're too afraid to tell them, they're going to be there and you're, you're going to look at them and they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire and you're going to know that you did nothing. You did nothing. You didn't even try to pay your debt to them. We owe it. Amen. Your co-workers, isn't that the hardest one? Well, I work with them every day. There's no greater person to give it to. When I used to work for my dad, and we're working with construction types. I don't know if that's a wise or the unwise, you know. But we worked in this kind of environment, and I found with those people, their lives are usually messed up enough that when you start talking about something that made sense, they usually listened. And I was able to help people come to Christ. I remember one time we were doing this uh, water treatment plant in Morden, Manitoba. It was a huge project. And we were doing all the uh, excavation. We were doing all the underground uh, pipe work. Uh, we, we dug the, and uh, we made the, uh, I guess you'd call them the slurry pits for the calcium that would be used to purify the water and so forth. And so we did all of that. And so I was there for a long time. And I made a commitment to the Lord. I said, you know, Lord, here I am. I'm running this job here. And I got my workers. And I said, I don't want to leave this place where I know that there's not any sub-trade and even the, the, the general contractor, the head, where I did not try to give them the gospel. And I made that a, a daily endeavor. <laughs> I did my job, and the Lord helped me do it well. There's some things, I said, wow, Lord, I don't know how that happened. He said, well, I did that for you because you're doing my work. And we had the gospel on cassette. And uh, I would go in every day, and I'd usually pick my target, <laughs> I says, today this person's getting it. And I'd wait for the right moment and they would get their tape. And I'd talk to them a little bit about the gospel and let them go. One time, there was one guy I, I'd given the tape to. He says, oh, yeah, we've been seeing that you, you were giving out tapes over here and we've been talking about it. But there's one guy over there. He said, if you give him one of those, he's going to throw it right back in your face. I says, really? He says, Yeah. I said, that's my target today. <laughs> and sure enough, that day I was sitting in my pickup truck and here I saw this guy. He was working with a mechanical company. He was working and he just got to my truck and I had my tape right there. I said, excuse me. I would like to give you one. He knew what it was. He knew exactly what I was doing. He took it. Thanks. <laughs> he walked away. <laughs> Interesting thing is, many years later, I was pastoring in Kenora, Ontario, and I was walking down, we were out soul winning the one Thursday night. I think it was a Thursday night, I'm not sure. The alley might have even been there. And uh, so we were knocking on doors. And I was walking down the sidewalk and I saw this company truck. And it was a mechanical company. I thought, oh, I wonder who this is. And I looked at the driver. And you know who's sitting behind that wheel? The same guy. In a different province, different city. I said, oh, Lord, you really love this guy. <laughs> and I went over. I says, hey, you remember me? <laughs> I don't know if the Lord just got a zing, you know. But he, oh, yeah, I remember you. I said, oh, you remember I gave you that gospel cassette? And he said, yeah, have you ever listened? Oh, no, not really. I, says, I said, you know what? The Lord must really love you because he sent me to give you this. And he took it. 
That's God. He doesn't want one soul to go to hell. Now, there's a possibility. If he can use somebody here today, if he knows that you'll be the kind of person that he can count on, when he makes that truck park right there, he'll use you. I remember Brother Kelly, your pastor there, Frank Siemens in the Star, uh, Pastor Frank Siemens from Yellowknife. One thing he always said was, I've made a commitment to the Lord that when someone broke down in front of me on the highway, I would stop and give them a gospel track. So anytime there was a car pulled over, he would stop, ask if they're okay, give them a gospel tract, and then go on his way. Think about that. Think about our Lord looking down at that. Oh, hmm. All I need to do is pop a tire, and I can get the gospel tract to that guy. <laughs> now, it's not maybe good for the guy with the tire, but it's sure good for his soul. Do you understand? If we will just make ourselves available to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to be used. You put it on my heart. You speak to my heart. Let your spirit make clear what you want me to do, and I'm willing to do that. And if he could count on you to do that, can you imagine? The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Can you imagine how many steps the Lord would order for you? How many people he'd bring into your life? Sometimes you wonder, well, nothing really happens to me like that. Have you made yourself available? Have you said, Lord, I, I'm going to keep my eyes open here. I want to pay my debt. Could you please send someone across my path that I can pay my debt? Do you think he's going to say no? <laughs> the Lord will do it. On our back table, we've got some gospel tracts. I encourage you to take some of those. Don't take a big stack. I know you're zealous and all that. Take five this week. Take two. Many people don't even give out two a week. They'll take a big stack, but they sit at home and they get fall on the ground and they go in the garbage. Take two tracks and hold those two tracks as you walk out of this room. Say, these two tracks, I'm going to pay my debt this week. This is currency. Amen. Then you start saying, Lord, two. I know you spiritual ones. Well, one of us for 10. How many have you witnessed to last week? <laughs> well, zero. Let's start with two. You give us two people. How many people are in here today? Do we have a count? Brother Gio? 85? 85 times 2 is what? Mathematicians. How much was that? 170. That means if each of us would say, Lord, I want to pay my debt to two people this week, we would reach 170 people this week. That's pretty good. Even if we just say one, say, Lord, give me one this week. We would give out 85 gospel tracts. 85 people would have the gospel in their hand. That's a good way to start. You say, well, I don't know how to talk that well. You know what? It's okay. <laughs> you, you know, if, if, it, if a conversation comes up, you can just say, can I tell you what Jesus did for me the day I got saved? And keep it simple. 
tell them. There's no greater gospel presentation than one that is actually in the works. <laughs> it worked. Look at me. Amen. Look at where I was. Folks, a testimony is three parts. Testimony includes, this is the way it used to be. The second part is, this is what God did. And the third part is, this is what he made me to be. All you got to do is, with your testimony, come up with those three parts. Say, before I was saved, I was, <laughs> I was fearful. I was sinful. I wasn't a good dad. I wasn't a good whatever. <laughs> I was without hope. I was, had thoughts of suicide, whatever it was. This is where I was. But then somehow God reached out. <laughs> he left the 99 for the one. Amen. He sought for me. He seeks to save. Amen. And this, somehow I got this tract or somehow this, this friend of mine said this or somehow I heard this message in the, in the service and it was about Jesus and how he died for me and, and I received that. <laughs> now let me tell you what God has done. Where before I was given over to habitual sin over and over and over and I couldn't overcome it. Now the Lord's given me victory. Before I was fearful about everything and I, I didn't know what, what, who I could trust or whether, what this world was about. But now I know that I've got the victory in every situation. He's given me a sound mind, power and love. Amen. Anybody can do that. I encourage you, get a piece of paper and just write it down. Put those three parts, what I was before, how God did it, and what I am. And just put a paragraph underneath. Say, this is what I'm going to tell people. This is what I'm going to tell people. Amen. Don't glorify sin. I mean, don't get into details and all that kind of stuff. But you know, just tell them. They, they'll understand. <laughs> they'll understand. They associate. <laughs> Amen. They're, they're there. They're just wondering how you get there. And that's all you're telling them. Folks, we owe it. We owe it. Let's bow our heads. Very simple message for us this morning, but I think it's these type of messages that really need to hit home. Are you ready to preach the gospel? Are you ready for your personal witness? Are you ready for our missions conference? That's a part of this. So I'm ready, preacher. If not, then can I encourage you to think about what you owe? Think about what you owe. Have you received the gospel? Has that gospel changed your life? Are you different than you used to be? Has God made a difference in your heart and life? Do you feel that there's hope for the future and hope for eternity? If you do have that, you owe it to somebody because they don't have it. This world is lost. There's people wanting to kill themselves. There's people wanting to kill themselves because they don't have right health care. They don't have this. They don't have that. And they'd rather go get euthanized because they have no hope in their life. You know what their answer is? It's not government. Their answer is the Christian.